All right, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Tuna Nut Podcast. Last night or this morning, depending on where you watched it, was a monumental day for Newcastle United because the group stage for the Champions League 23-24 season was drawn and Newcastle United were in that draw. We got put in pot four, ended up in group F with AC Milan, Borussia Dortmund and PSG. And to go through this reaction of how this is going to go, I've got Mark and Jack both down in Brisbane. How are you doing, lads? I'm buzzing. Um, absolutely buzzing for it. It's, it's been a while in the making. Um, I can still remember the last campaign. Uh, bring, bring it on, I say. Bring it on. Yes, um, I'm sleep deprived, but that's nothing new. Um, but setting the alarm for 2am for to get up and watch Joe Cole and Eric Abadal pull little bits of paper out of plastic balls. A little bit different from what we're usually setting the alarm for. Uh, but yeah, it was... <laughs> It was really exciting. Like as soon as it as soon as it came on, and they did that intro thing with the little um, nice version of the Champions League music. So yeah, it all just starts to feel a lot more real and a lot more serious. So it's it's worth uh, it was worth uh, um, getting up in the middle of the night for us for sure. Absolutely, it was a bit surreal. Like I say, getting up at two a.m. just watching the the names getting pulled out of uh, the little balls or whatever, and then when it got to a uh, pot four and You've seen our name, I think it was Joe Cole that pulled our name out, obviously. And you've seen him there. It would just get you, wow, this is actually happening now. We are in this big time. And then it went into Group F, and then we knew exactly what opponents we were facing. Jack, you obviously uh, had it all coming live uh, as uh, everything unfolded. Your thoughts yeah. on getting Group F and the opponents, first of all? Yeah, so we were working out as we were going, like which group we could be in. We couldn't be in any of the groups with the English teams. And then there was the group with Real Madrid and Napoli looked pretty tasty. And then mm-hmm. and then Group F, like from the beginning, as soon as you got um, PSG and Dortmund together, then that one looked pretty special. So I know that there's kind of different views over who you want, like who people wanted and whether we wanted an easy group to try and qualify. But I think this is perfect for us. I think to to get these three big hitters like this, um, you know, proper proper big European names, teams that we've never played competitively before as well, but three amazing away days for the supporters and three big nights under the lights at St. James's Park. It's going to be absolutely incredible. You've got the the storylines of Tonali and, and Isaac as well, going back to Dortmund. But... That my reaction was just I was so excited when when we got drawn into that group. Um, I think it's going to be absolutely <laughs> incredible to see us play against those teams, and it, it's definitely started feeling. You know, you're in with the big boys. You're in with the big boys, um, and you know we'll probably we might talk about chances of actually getting through it because I don't think it's by any means a, a foregone conclusion that we're going to get an off day as well. You know, and that's the way the bookies see it as well. So. Yeah, I was absolutely buzzing. Like, I wouldn't have been anywhere near as excited if we'd have got a, you know, a, a group with PSV or someone like that as one of the top teams. So, absolutely thrilled over the moon, excited. Your thoughts, Mark, when uh, you woke up and seen the news uh, of the draw that is? Yeah, it was it was kind of like mixed reactions because everyone was like, you get onto social media and there's there's half of the people complaining that you know it's a group of death. 
Um, and we promised Keegan we would uh, squeeze Group of Death in a few times tonight. So uh, <laughs> there's there's the first one. But look, at the end of the day, you, you want the best teams. You want the best away days. And I know, I mean, Jack, you were you were at Inter um, when we played them and took what twelve thousand fans over. So you, you fact you've got. Dortmund, who have got like what an eighty-eight thousand seater stadium, you've got AC Milan playing at the San Siro. That they're going to be able to accommodate a huge number of away fans. Um, I just think like those those two especially um, for the away days for the fans are just going to be incredible. Uh, and and to me, that's what this is about. We're not going let, to let's be honest. We're not going to win the Champions League, so let's just enjoy it. Let's and and you want to enjoy it by having the best teams. And as soon as like you kind of like sat there and, and had a think into it, um, I've been saying all along, none of these teams are going to want to play us. We're not that typical pot four team. Mm. You know, we're not that sort of like, oh, well, they're going to finish bottom because um, they're really crap. It's like, well, you know, yes, we've lost to Man City. Yes, we've lost to Liverpool recently, but we've given them good games. We're not like a pushover. We're a good side. Um, so let's let's be honest here. It's like they're, they're not going to sort of see us as this, um, this, this pushover team that they know that they're going to be in for a battle. And I guarantee you that, that any team in, in those pots um, were kind of like hoping to avoid us as much as we were what maybe wanting an easier run. So for me, I think it's an absolutely beautiful group. I think it, it's, it showcases the club on a massive scale. Uh, which which is what we want at this point. We want to we want to have the players excited to play. We want the fans to be able to enjoy these games, and we want the club to be sort of showcased on the highest level. And and what what higher level are you going to have than than playing those three teams in your group stages? I was listening to the sorry. I was list, I was listening to the uh, Euro Leagues on BBC as well, and they had a PSG journalist um, and a, a Dortmund or somebody follows German football and Italian football. And they were all saying they did not want Newcastle. You know, they they want to they want to qualify. You know, they want to get through, yeah. and that, the chances of that reduces for them with those in the group. Um, so Dimmy was saying in our group chat as well that in terms of you know the, the big names, but in terms of how they're actually going this season, it's not, not going that well. Dortmund haven't had a great start. Italian football they, they did well in Europe last season, but it's not really that strong. And PSG have had their problems as well. I would have liked to have had Real Madrid or Bayern Munich as the pot one team. I would have liked that. But, you know, from two and three, Dortmund and, and Milan is absolutely amazing. And just touching on what Mark had said about, you know, the, the profile of these games, this is going to be a bit of a novelty for us this season, uh, a bit like what the cup final was last season. So we haven't been in it for 20 years. It's going to take some getting used to, to being in it. And it's it's all a big adventure this season. In future years, it's not going to be like that. We're going to need to qualify and we're going to start to want to win and, and you know, reach the latter stages. So let's just enjoy this year while, while we've got it. We might not get back ne next season necessarily into the Champions League, but even if we do, it's going to be a, a different um, draw situation because yeah. it's going to go into the league format. So we'll be so drawn. Yeah, I think we'll have five home games and five away games. So it'll still be exciting to see who we're going to be playing. And it is going to be seeded as well. Yeah. Um, but this is the last chance we had to to get drawn into a group in this way. So, yeah, like the, the last time we were in it, it was the, the two-group situation where we got through yeah. the first group and then went into the second group when UEFA were just trying to money spin. It's all about money spinning, isn't it? Yeah. But this format, this group, are absolutely amazing outcome for us. And it's I can't wait for the... For those games uh, dates to be announced and see who we're going to be playing when. 
Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, as I was talking in uh, the live chat as the draw was being made, I, I really wanted Group E because that had some of the, the lesser teams in. I mean, there's no easy fixtures in this competition, just some that are a little bit less difficult than others. But I really wanted Group E. Um, but if anyone who watched the Brighton preview we'd done yesterday, uh, I really wanted Dortmund as my dream team uh, to get into the competition, the group stage. And we obviously got them. And the main reason is, just both sets of fans, I think they are very, very similar in the way they approach and follow their club. And I do think going to uh, their stadium over in Dortmund with our away support, with uh, that yellow wall that they put on, I think that is going to be one of the best atmospheres that could rival maybe your trip to the San Siro all those years ago, Jack. Because mm. I'd imagine you've got some stories you'll want to yarn about that. Uh, that was um, just an incredible experience. So I was only 16 at the time, so I'd had my season ticket for uh, for a year. So was, that was the second year of my season ticket. And I went over with uh, one of my best friends and his dad, uh, and his dad's friend took us, uh, and another one of our friends. So I didn't have the whole experience of, you know, drinking and all that sort of stuff because I was too young for it. Uh, yeah, but, right. you know, we were still... That's in your the, story in your city. Yeah, no, we were, <laughs> we, were, we were in the square and we were, we were just having a, a great time in, in Milan. Um, the match itself, was, uh, the stadium wasn't sold out. Uh, Inter Milan didn't sell out. So we had, I think there was officially 12,000 there, like you said, but it felt like a lot more than that. I can tell you that, especially when Shearer scored. Um, mm -hmm. We went ahead twice we should have won the game as well like we were really unlucky not to win that game um and obviously we got knocked out of that group but that was just an amazing experience to be part of that when i was that age you know when you're that age you sort of you know to, to experience that at the in your teen teenage years was just something out of this world and it's something that you see people talk about all the time there's a lot of people that were there i went to marseille as well the season after when we got to the semi-final and that was great as well, um, sort of in a in a similar way. But you know, special special experience. So I, I love the idea that I'm not going to be able to go this to these ones, obviously. And tickets are going to be very hard to come by. I think like we could sell we could sell the San Siro out twice over, probably with traveling fans. You know, so it's going to be hard to to get tickets. And I don't know what the allocation is. I think I read it was five that um five percent maybe. Um, so right. it just depends on what they want to do what they want to do with that. And I'm sure the club will have things on like travel packages and stuff like that to try and maximize the revenue, which is part and parcel of football these days. But hopefully the, you know, the, the big genuine loyal fans get to go as well. And, you know, they don't get ripped off too much uh, and they make those really memorable, memorable days. And we know, we know that we're going to be back there though. Even if it's not next season, the Champions League, we know that we're going to be in Europe consistently from now on. So, like back in the Bobby days, you'd never quite knew if we were going to or if it was going to be sustainable. But, you know, something would have gone badly wrong if it isn't this time. So this is just the start, but it's going to be such an exciting, novel experience, like I was saying before. So perfect away days. Perfect. Well, you, you just touched on before there, Jack. You, know, you were 16 at the time. And obviously you've never been back abroad, seen Newcastle follow them uh, since then in the Champions League uh, group stages. That mm. was 21 years ago for you now? 20 years so ago, I think, made, yeah. Yeah, so you made those memories when you were 16. There'll be kids who are 16 years old now 
who won't even remember us playing in Europe, even in the Pardew, maybe. Yeah. Or they've got yeah. very vague memories of playing under in Europe uh, under Pardew. So they're going to be going to the San Siro, going to Dortmund, going to PSG to make the same type of memories is what mm. you have effectively. And to me, that's what this is all about. That, yeah. that everlasting impression of what this club can leave on you as a youngster. Yeah. And yeah. once it gets under your skin, you've had it. And it's fucking amazing, isn't it? We had um, really we is. had we had the Pardew Europe, like you said, but there was a couple of games in like Eastern <laughs> Eastern Europe. There was one in Ukraine, and then there was one in Germany against Frankfurt. I think it might have been, uh, and then there was Bruges. So I know a lot of people that went to Bruges, but yeah, like you can't beat the this level, the Champions League. Like you said, with the uh, the Dortmund Stadium and the yellow wall, like I've already seen war flags have been on Facebook. Uh, with mm-hmm. saying that they've got some some competition there, they need to be able to get some funds in to be able to match what they do. So the whole thing is just perfect. Like it, and I think that, like I said, I was listening to the Euro Leagues, and they were excited. You could tell that the UEFA were excited about this group. There always is a group like this. So you know, it was probably always likely in some way that we were going to end up in a in a group like this, just because we were the the big draw from Pot Four. I think it's like worthwhile noting as well. Each game's then going to have this this whole like media frenzy around it, and the the, the story writes themselves. We've got uh, Saudi versus Qatar when we play yeah. PSG. We've got two sets of absolute bonkers batshit fan bases with uh, with us and Dortmund, um, and then you've got obviously Tenali going home. We've got a little bit of bad blood there, maybe with AC Milan. Um, there's the whole Botman transfer scenario as well. Um, so yeah, the, I think the stories write themselves as well behind these games, which is which is kind of nice to have, um, and it'll help sort of hype them up even more if if that was even needed. Um, so yeah, I, I quite like those little little. Takes it's the John Dal Thomas and Derby, isn't it? That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> he was good for AC Milan. He was great for AC Milan. AC Milan. Yeah. Uh, of the of the six fixtures that we're going to have, I'll come to you first on this one, Mark. Which is the fixture that that you're looking forward to the most? Um, it's a tough one. I'd, I'd like to. Yeah, they're all big games. That's the problem. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to the Dortmund game um, at St. James's just because I think, as you said, it's like going to be war flags and and we're going to have to put on a show to to rival them. We're going to have to kind of like be be up and up, um, uh, sh- showing our colours, so to speak. Look, I'm, I think whichever game's first, I think that's going to be the key game. Um, it just watching the players run out on that pitch with the Champions League music playing, it's just going to be an absolute buzz. Um, and it doesn't really, for me, matter who we play. Um, it's just the, the the occasion of that first game, I think, is going to be going to be everything. Your, your thoughts on that one, Jack? Yeah, I think it'll be in hindsight, whichever one we win, you know, if we get a good win, like just like the Juventus in the, um, yeah. back in the day, if we win... Uh, but it's going to be hard, like to maybe because it's going to be six a.m. kickoffs for us, I think, on either a Wednesday or a yeah. Thursday morning. So that's slap bang in the middle of breakfast time in my house and trying to get everyone out of the house to where they need to be. <laughs> so I might have to have a few um, st- uh, start work late days or something and just lock myself in my bedroom, uh, watch the games. But yeah, I agree with what Mark says. The first one's going to be something special. There's something about all of them that's going to be really really exciting like and the storyline psg was one that i did think would be amazing just because i think we can probably beat them you know we we can probably beat them 
at home it's definitely at home and then we'll give them a good game away as well so if we can beat a, a heavyweight like that sort of at this you know the first first season back yeah that's going to be amazing well, the bookies, the bookies year, have got a uh, second favourite to to yeah. qualify from the group as well. So it, we're not being written off as as just sort of like this this cannon fodder for the group either, which is which is quite surprising. But it shows you the the caliber of the Premier League, and you know you finish top you finish top four in the Premier League. They know you've got a good side. So let's let's see how we perform. I don't know if anyone's seen the the quick video that uh, the club put on YouTube of the the players wearing the headphones listening to the music. Yeah. And um, basically, it just plays a few little tracks. You've got uh, the Dan Byrne song, you've got the Isak song and so on. But then it gets to the Champions League music. And you can see Bruno, he's almost crying already, just going, I want to start crying. And I genuinely reckon he's going to be blubbering like a little schoolgirl when uh, he's walking out on the pitch at St. James's, the Champions League music playing. Even uh, Sean Longstaff, you could see he was getting a bit emotional when a local hero was playing. Uh, and mm. I, I love that. Those little quick segments they're doing on social media yeah. is fantastic. And it Bruno, just brings them closer to the fans, you know? Bruno said that when he signed that he wanted to get us in the Champions League. Everyone laughed at him. But, mm. you know, he, he knew. He knew, he knew what he was kind of coming into. It probably happened quicker than what he thought. But yeah. he's played. Yeah. he has played Champions League before when he was at Lyon. He played against Man City. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's yeah, they, they had a good season in the Champions League that time. I think we're probably going to do a bit of a more of a preview of the Champions League uh, during the international break, but we do have players who are experienced in it. Trippier yeah. as well. Botman's played in it, so Tenali, yeah. obviously. Tenali, obviously. So there's, it's not like we're going into this as complete whipping boys, like you said. Like we are the, we are the second favourites to qualify, and I think that's with good reason. Uh, you know, apart from what Dimi was saying as well about the the struggles that some of the teams we're playing are having. Well, we've got um, we've got the whole uh, like inexperienced manager thing floating over our heads as well. But to me, that could actually be a double-edged sword. It's like, yeah, okay, look, how doesn't have the experience of, of those European nights? He's he's still kind of finding his feet almost. But that also means that none of the managers from European clubs are actually going to know what he's about and and what he's going to do. So you know, there's that unknown factor as well that could actually um, could actually benefit us in the long run as well. So yeah, it's just t- time's going to time's going to tell on that. One. It's going to be an amazing learning curve for Eddie Howe. Whatever happens, you know. Oh, I think yeah. yeah. I think he, I think last weekend. I don't want to think about that ever again. But that was a big learning <laughs> curve for him against a against an elite manager who's experienced yeah. manager in yeah. Europe. So mm-hmm. you know, Emery but last that's season. The, that's the beauty of Howe, though. You know, he's going yeah. to take on board what like, like yeah okay bad bad loss, but. You know he's going to go. He's going to analyze everything. He's going to try and figure out what went wrong, what could have gone better, and he's going to learn from it. And that's the yeah. beauty of what he's done. And he did it after he left Bournemouth, and he's he's taken it on board for us. So, you know he's going to he's, you know he's going to be looking to constantly get better. Yeah. So that's that's the beauty of it. We lost to Villa last season, and people were saying Emery, you know, experienced European manager, yeah. eleven trophies, and then look what happened this season. You know, we went and wiped Ooh. the floor with them. So. He's a, he's a very bright manager who is going to learn. And whatever happens at the end of these six games, he's going to be in a, a, a better position for it than than you know than he is now. He's going to learn learn a lot from it, and he'll just be even better equipped next next time we go um, to try and attack it and see show what he can do. Yep. 
I'm just going to bring up the uh, the date of the fixtures. Now, we don't know what the fixtures are, who the opening one will be or whichever. Uh, they get announced sometime on Saturday, not too sure when. But the opening set of fixtures is on the 19th and the 20th of September. So that is local time. So it's probably going to be the 20th and the 21st for us uh, here in Australia. Uh, now, there's one fixture, match day six on that one. I would love that to be PSG at home, purely so. Um, can you remember the, the video? Uh, Griezmann I know where this is going when, before you uh, say it. He signed, uh, Mbappe for Newcastle, and Mbappe said, isn't it cold there? <laughs> so if he rocks up on Tyneside on the 12th of December, it's going to be proper brass for him, and he's going <laughs> to look at Griezmann and go, you know what, you were right, it's bastard freezing there. That's the only one that I want to go in that order. Uh, As Dan Byrne clatters him. <laughs> it'd be mint, wouldn't it? Um, first game, I'd love to be a home game. Just to get it over and done with. Um, I don't know about you two. I don't know if you're bothered about the order of the fixtures or anything, but I think a home game as an opening set would be absolutely superb. Yeah. I heard someone actually make a good point as well, which was that um, match, we don't really want to be playing PSG on three and four because that would be back to back. You could have them home and away, and then that could be two of the hardest games right in the middle, you know? So it doesn't matter. Like, it really doesn't matter. Get, match day five is actually in between home games for us against Chelsea and Man United. So, you know, right. we could have we could have Chelsea home, PSG home, Man United home in a week. <laughs> you know, so that that's going to be one of those weeks where, like, you know, we're, we're back in the big time, and um, you know, for good. So, it doesn't really matter though. Like, you know, we'll 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 approach it however we do. We might lose all three, all three uh, first games like we did last time, and then yep. win the next three. Be the, the first team to do that twice. So. Doesn't matter. We just need to get Andy Griffin back in the squad for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even know what he's doing. Bellamy, is. Craig Bellamy back as well. Uh, nah, he's a dick. He can go wrong. I don't get. I don't like Bellamy. Um, but uh, nah, that would be absolutely phenomenal. I reckon PSG last game at St James's to even if we've already uh, qualified from then or we're in second place, whichever be a mint way to go. Now, big question, lads, and I'll come to you first in this one, Jack. How many points do you think it's going to take to get out of the group? Um, I don't know. Average is about nine, maybe nine or ten. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's going to be one team that gets whipped like whipped all the time. Like some of the groups, you'll see one of the team gets no points, or you know, between no, no and three points. But that probably won't happen in this group. So probably most clubs will take points off each other at some point. So maybe around the nine, nine to ten point mark. So if we can win the home games, that'll put us in a good position. Um, you yeah. agree with that one, Mark? I do. Yeah, I, th I think it's the the beauty of it being such a tight group. I don't think you're going to get someone that sort of romps out to a like wins every single one of their games. I think everyone's going to take points off everyone else, which keeps it tight, which gives us an even better chance of qualifying um, for the next stage. I think so. Look, I I, I would say maybe. Yeah, I'd say seven, nine, something like that. I think that's probably what it's going to take to, to, to squeeze out of the group. And the other thing is, if we come third, that's fine, fine really. We're getting at the Europa League, and we're probably one of the favourites to win it. And then if you win that, you get back in the Champions League anyway, So, and you yeah. win a trophy. So I think that wouldn't be the worst outcome by any means. Um, there's five spots this season, isn't it, for the Champions League? I think it's so, a, yeah. It depends what happens. It depends what happens this season with the the European competition. So if the English right. clubs do well, then there'll be yeah, there'll be five spots. So we might have to just 
bite our hold our noses and cheer Man United on uh, in their games. <laughs> but yeah, that's yeah. what that's that's the way it works. It goes on the coefficient for yeah. the. Um, it was one of the things that UEFA have done to try and appease the elite clubs, uh, the elite clubs after the European Super League breakaway attempt yeah. to try and give the give the big clubs an extra um, the big an nations extra an extra position. In, yeah. yeah, and then there's so there's four extra position extra um, spaces, two for the coefficient base, and I think there's two. I can't remember how how else it's done, but there'll be two from lower uh, ranked nations as well. So I'm brought in an agreement that I reckon seven, eight points would be enough. Two wins and a draw, two draws, something like that. I think that would be more than good enough. And if we can just keep a home form, I think mm. we'll be will definitely be uh, something good there. A lot of these teams, Italian teams, don't travel very well, uh, especially over at England. So that's always going to be a chance. PSG, their record in England isn't that great. I had a little look back. And uh, Dortmund, theirs isn't that great uh, over here either. So... There's always that uh, option that St. James's could be a Champions League fortress, which is not something we've been able to say for a good number <laughs> of years. So hopefully that will absolutely be the case. Let us know in the comments down below what you think uh, the maximum points is going to need to get out of the group and who your favourite opposition and tie of that would be. But uh, that brings the end of uh, the Champions League reaction uh, in terms of uh, the group stage. So now we're going to move on to a quick little review of the transfer window, which is still open at time of recording, but there's not many hours left. I think we've got, what, maybe 10 hours to go as of we are right now, there or thereabouts. Um, Mark, I'll come to you first on this one. Just a quick summary. What's your, your initial thoughts on the incomings for this transfer window? I think it's been fantastic. I think we've done an absolutely stellar bit of business. Um, you know, we've, we've brought in... Someone who's got Champions League experience in Tonali. We've padded out the squad with top draw, um, first team ready young players. Um, so, you know, look, Livramento, I think, has every potential to be an absolute superstar. Hall looks like he's on the way to do that as well. Um, so, look, we, we've got the, the players coming in. Um, Barnes opened his scoring in the first game at home. You know, look, the, these are players that are like that next level up in terms of the squad depth that we needed. The only the only thing that I think we've, we've all sort of cried out for is another defensive kind of reinforcement for, for a centre-back. Uh, we are looking somewhat light there. Um, you know, uh, Botman's potentially injured for the weekend's game and we're... We're scraping around, you know, do we swap Botman back to, to centre-back? And he didn't really do very well when he came on, when he uh, when he slotted in there against Liverpool. So, look, we've got we've got some outstanding business done. Um, I don't think we can really ask for a lot more, given the, the financial restrictions that we are still under, um, until the uh, the old Adidas shirt, shirt, uh, shirt deal comes through for, for next season. Uh, but yeah, look, I, I couldn't be happier with, with what we've done. Yeah, you always feel like you're going to be a little bit short. Um, but I think Jack's already said it's like, you know, you, you feel that every single window. And we felt that every single window since since the new owners took over. And, you know, we haven't managed too badly so far. So let's, let's see how it goes. Your thoughts on uh, the window, Jack, for the incomings? Yeah, I echo what Mark said. He's right. Every transfer window of the new owners, we've always come out of it feeling like we've we've missed out in some way. The first window was because we didn't get Jesse Lingard or an, like an attacker. And then last January, it was because Shelby and Wood had gone and we didn't get a midfielder. So 
This time it's that we are a bit light for depth at centre-back. We, we definitely are. We're in trouble if Botman or Shaw get, get injured. We'll lack pace in that position anyway. So it just means that that'll be the primary target next you know, next summer. Yeah. We, we know that we had FFP restrictions, so otherwise we would have gone out and got one of our top centre-back targets, I'm sure. Um, they don't want to just go and get a centre-back, you know, like any get anybody. They want to wait to get the right person. And so I think that's what they've that's what they've done with that. Um, the the future proofing of the squad has been amazing. Uh, I think Hall and Livramento, that's been exceptional um, future proofing of the squad. And that's been the most um, exciting thing, I think, from the transfer window. And don't forget as well that we brought Anthony Gordon in um, last yeah, last January. Yeah. That was money brought forward from, from this summer. So he would have been bought this summer. And if that had happened, everyone would have felt a lot better about about this, this transfer window. So I think it's a solid eight, eight, nine out of ten. And yes, that's my baby crying in the background. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, quick one. There's a very small minority, and I'm going to use Twitter or X here, is just the, the platform for it. Um, a few people have been not necessarily a bit arsey or anything, but wondering why we've spent in excess of 60 million on two... Uh, a left back and a, ring, a wing back, uh, sorry, a left back and a right back, uh, for who potentially might not even be starting any games when those funds could have went to a first team ready centre back who was needed or a, a second striker, something along those lines. What's your thoughts on that one, Mark? It's not a one window deal. We're not trying to rebuild the club in one window. It's a yeah. long term deal, and you don't know if those players were going to be available next summer. Um, you know, if you've got the chance to jump at absolute top draw talent, which I feel both of those players are, um, you take it when you can. Uh, and, and as Jack said, look, next summer, then a centre-back becomes a priority then. Uh, and if we stumble a little bit because of lack of depth at centre-back, then you take that that on the hit on the chin. Um, but you move on and you and you strengthen that area ready for the next season. Um, we're... we're 18 months into what was tipped as a five-year plan in terms of rebuilding yeah. the club up. Um, people need to remember that. It's like, it's it's not a case of just going out and playing championship manager with with the cheat code on for infinite money. It's like, you know, we've we've got a we've we've got a limited budget. We know that. We've we've in we've we've spent in excess of, of what we were told that budget was already. Um we've we've kind of been doing the the, the juggling maths that I think a lot of us kind of was smirking at when we were told we had such a limited budget in the first place because I think we've been told that every single window so far and you know blown that out the water with with like one deal let alone um, the whole transfer budget for that window but yeah look it's it's a case of we need to we need to look ahead it's not just about this season it's about look if we can secure a left back and a right back that are going to be the future of this club at kind of like an, an England international level that they could be um for the next 10 to 15 years then then you you snap the club's hands off and you take it and then you go and you rebuild elsewhere in the next window you can't complain um about for, for 15 years about ashley you know not future proofing the squad and giving 10 year contracts to dwight gale and then when we start doing it complain about that you know yeah. so i remember when we signed kieran trippier and we already had two right backs and everyone was saying that's a bit of a strange first signing but it didn't take long for people to come around on that one. Oh, yeah. So 
I think those two fullback signings in particular are the most exciting signings in a way because it does show what the club is is doing now. And the whole business has been so sensible. Like, you know, Maxi's gone, which we might talk about in a minute, and then Barnes slots in because he's more of a system player. So he's not he's not so much of a, a fancy name and he doesn't have the tricks and skills, but he fits better into what Eddie Howe yeah. wants to do. So, And the, the other thing is we've actually... The emergence of Anderson and Miley in preseason has meant that we haven't had to buy another midfielder, which was, you know, we thought we were going to have to buy another midfielder as well. We haven't had to do that. So it's also, it's also worth pointing out that we've actually bought an insane number of academy players as well, like 17, 18, 19 year old players that are going to be, you know, either coming through in a couple of seasons time to pat, to pat out the squad to be in that position where Anderson and, and you know Miley's still coming through but you know Anderson's 20 he's kind of there in the squad now and you don't feel bad about bringing him on um, so all these players that we're buying are either going to be doing that or they're going to be good enough and then we're going to be able to sell them on like what Man City's doing like what Liverpool does like what all these other clubs are doing that ticks the box of the financial fair play and gives them money to spend up front right then and there for that season so that's what we're missing at the moment and you know credit to Ashworth you know we we've done some good business in terms of first team signings yes but the the fact that we just we're, we're you know upping trees in in the academy rebuild it's just it's so good to see and as you said jack it's like after after so many years of ashley where there's just been this monumental neglect of the club to to see this long term picture could have sort of forming um and and knowing that the owners are not just here to sort of like throw the cash around at the moment as a new toy they look to be trying to build like a legacy and you know that's that's the beauty of this at the moment it's really exciting times ahead the one thing i will say about the new academy players is i hope they can kick a ball better than crack a smile because they're all <laughs> miserable as shit, didn't they, when they were getting the photos taken? Uh, you know, and you went on before as well about uh, neglect under Ashley. You remember the last time we got into Europe the summer before? I think the only signing we made was Big Vern and Anita. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so when that's happened twice. Yeah, that's happened twice. It happened with Lee Bowyer as well. The summer we only signed Lee Bowyer. So that's massive errors the club's made twice when we've got into Europe. Uh, they've just fucked it up completely by not strengthening properly so yeah you're right there absolutely yeah um but uh most exciting signing of this window mark short term probably barnes i would say um i think you you get goals you get assists from him tonali look i think is going to be brilliant for us but he is going to need time to settle in i think the fact that he's stormed out out of the gates against Villa was was really um I think surprised a lot of people as to how good he actually was and he's kind of come back to earth a little bit and it's going to take him time to get that consistency up I think but um in terms of just that pure out and out goal threat and and sort of hopefully that creator of chances um yeah Barnes for me yours Jack uh, Livermento was the one that I was thinking I was really, really excited about just because I watched him uh, quite closely when he was at Southampton before he got his bad injury. And yeah. seriously, he could be like, he could be England's right back for the next decade, like Mark said. He's that good and he's going to be worth a lot more than what we paid for him soon. So I'm looking forward to seeing him and Hall get on the pitch, actually. Like, there hasn't been the opportunity really for him to play much yet. But I think in the long term, he might be the one who, you know, turns out to be the best. Bit of business, 
And in the short term, Tonali's you know slotted straight in, and and like we said before, Barnes just fits the system like a glove. So I'm just looking forward to seeing these players on the pitch a bit more as well, with Tonali being the only one who's actually started games. But mm. like, there's going to be plenty of games. We're going to have at least 44 games this season, or at least 46, 46. games this season with the cup as well. So there's going to be plenty of games for them all. Now, outgoing players, there was obviously one big omission from the the starting or the, the 25-man squad being ASM. It was probably no surprise to he was pretty much our only sellable asset or the only one we were willing to sell because yeah. Isak, Botman, Pope, they weren't ever going to go anywhere um, in terms of uh, moving on to get some funds in. But he hasn't been missed as far as I'm aware. There, there's not been a time where you'd, you'd think, Who's on the bench? Oh, I mean, I wish ASM was on there to be a bit of a game changer because we've had Barnes, Murphy. Yeah, he hasn't really had much of an impact. He's had a new child and whatever. Um, but there's been a few others there where you look at the bench and go, they could actually make a difference in the game. And you go back to when Barnes came on against uh, Velamark, like you said, uh, he scored one and he created one. He's, yeah. had, he's got more assists this season than what Max did last season. Um, yeah. So I definitely wouldn't say he's been missed so far. Would either of you agree? Yeah, look, I, I think Maxi was always that luxury player. I think he was always going to be that saleable asset if we needed to sell for um, for, for buying a player in. Uh, it, it, I still think he went for a little bit on the cheap side just to kind yeah. of save face and not cause a stir. But, you know, it is what it is. It let us bring in Hall, to be honest, with well, probably um, Livermento or, you know, it's given us a little bit of leeway in the market, um, so to speak. But... Yeah, he, he was always that sort of maverick player that could do something out of nothing, but you didn't know what you were going to get week in, week out. And with Barnes, look, again, there's there's Leicester, Leicester fans have said, you know, he, he might go missing for, for some parts of games, but he's going to be a little bit more consistent in terms of what we get off him, tracking back, closing players down, holding his position properly. Um, and to me, I think Eddie Howe just values that more over this sort of maverick player that you don't know really what you can rely on. Yeah, you kind of throw him on and hope for the best, but, you know, realistically, that's not where we are at the moment. We're still building. If we had a, an absolute kick-ass squad and Maxi was happy to sit on the bench and be that impact player, but we know he wasn't going to be that player. We know his, his ego wasn't going to allow it. Um, he, he he constantly had little chirps on social media and and little little cryptic messages that I think most of us were getting sick of. Um, I I will hold my hat off to Maxi and thank him for his service. I think he was the, yeah. the one shining light in some pretty dark times under Steve Bruce. Uh, he probably single handedly kept us in the Premier League during those years uh, with his goals. But you know I think we probably outgrew him as a club um, the way we're playing now. Um, so I, I wish him all the best, but I'm, I'm I'm happy with where we're going. I believe Eddie, when he says that, he would have been happy to keep him and he didn't yeah. want to lose him. I do believe him, but yeah, like I think it was always going to happen. It was simple fact of, you know, maths. Like we needed to sell him to get the money. He was the only player we could sell who was going to bring in any kind of decent money. And the way FFP works, selling him for 25 million, which I agree with Mark, is on the, the low side, I think, for his quality. Um, but having said that, he didn't have a very good season last season, so maybe it's about right. But selling him for that means that we can then invest in, you know, probably I probably paid for two of the summer signings the way FFP works. So yeah. I think it was just always going to happen. And, you know, in future years, we're going to have more saleable players that we want to sell. 
And you never know, we might lose players we don't want to sell as well in the, the early years of the, the development of the club. So, yeah, fair play. You know, good luck to Maxi. I'm still keen, like, following what he's doing in Saudi. Yeah. He's been getting a few getting a few assists, playing with Mares and Firmino. I think he's, he's yeah. playing for that club. So, good luck to him. Yeah, but that was always going to be one that I think had to happen this summer. There's been a few other outgoings there. Jamal Lewis being one. Uh, and also... Uh, we've got still the likes of Isaac Hayden. He's apparently in talks with Sheffield United, I think it is. I might be Sheffield, wrong Sheffield, yeah. Sheffield, yeah. Uh, and also, they may be interested in Hendrick, so if they want to do a double deal, happy days. And also, Ryan Fraser, he's down in Southampton, Southampton season-long yeah. loan. Don't know if there's a view to permanent on that one. Uh, and do you either know if there's a view to permanent on that one? I'm not sure. Yeah. You'll probably yeah. you'll probably fucking wind up wind everyone up and be sent back anyway. That's what he seems to be doing these days. I think uh, I think yeah. I think the club have done well to to shift these players. Yeah. Like, you don't like using the phrase deadwood, but you know players who were not trading with the first team who were were always going to be going to be on the way out. It was Again, just a case. It was players we've outgrown. Yeah. Yeah, just a case for the club of getting as much money yeah. they can, either in terms of a, a wage percentage contribution or any kind of transfer fee. Darlow obviously went. We thought there was yeah. some kind of talk he was going to be going for five, six million. In the end, he went for 400,000. And I, <laughs> I don't think he's played for Leeds yet either. So, um, but, you know, players like that were always going to be surplus to requirements. And I think the club have done a good job eventually of clearing those players out. And it's. I think Hayden's got quite a long contract to go. Um, Hendrick's got another season. He's still still here. So it's just the remnant of the, the Mike Ashley era where he's handing out long contracts to substandard players, basically. Yeah. Um, and the club have done a good job of you know, clearing them out as, as best as they can. Yeah, so outgoings, I think they've done really well. Incomings, they've done really well. It's probably been one of our most productive transfer windows I can remember in a long time. And I'd imagine you'd both agree with that one. And it's nice to be, to be. Yeah, it's nice to be going into transfer deadline day or for us transfer deadline night, not glued to to Twitter looking at who we're going to be signing, not following Keith Downey. You know, like it's good to just not be not worrying about who we're going to sell proper, more to be up north. That's what proper clubs. Yeah. It's what proper clubs do, though. Proper clubs do the business, and we're going to see a lot of that tonight and tomorrow morning. Man United are still scrabbling around trying to sign players. You know, clubs mm-hmm. are still going to be. Clubs that are not well run are going to be scrambling around trying to sign players. I know that we've said that we are completely closed for business. We've lied before. Eddie Howe frequently lies about transfers. <laughs> so if something presents itself, who knows? Um, I wouldn't be totally surprised if we did get maybe a sent up like an loan or something. But yeah. yeah, like it wouldn't be the first time he's lied and something's happened. I wouldn't be surprised later. if there's still a lot of business going on behind the scenes that we don't know oh, about, yeah. just yeah. looking for what they can do. Um, and if something does present itself, then they'll they'll jump at it. There's there's no doubt about that. Um, yeah. We don't know how bad Sven Botman's injury is. Um, Eddie Howe said to us that Willick was only going to miss a couple of weeks and he's still not fit yeah. from last season. So, yeah, Eddie Howe does play his cards close to his chest. So let's let's take his uh, the window is shut comment with uh, the, the pinch of salt that it needs and and we'll wait and see what happens. And the key is not being desperate at this stage yeah. as well. Like yeah. clubs, no, like we're not desperate. Clubs are not going to try and fleece us. And I think the club generally have navigated that difficult um, territory well of not being ripped off by clubs yeah. and basically sticking to the first choice targets. And then that's why the squad now is packed full of young, quality players who've got potential to get better. Absolutely, and Absolutely. it's worth it's worth pointing out we are the we have the most fans 
of the club, playing for the club um, out of all of the Premier League clubs now with uh, with Hall joining us. Nice one. Happy days. That's a good little uh, quiz question in a few years' time. Um, <laughs> now, we're going to get on to what is probably the worst-kept secret in Newcastle United's history. And that is... Thanks, Amazon. The, the, <laughs> the, the revelation that Adidas... Okay, spoiler alert, by the way, if you haven't watched their episode four or been anywhere near an internet source for the past two weeks. Um, so, yeah, massive spoiler alert here. Or walked um, past the strawberry lately. <laughs> yeah, or walked past the strawberry, yeah. Or been over the time bridge or anything like that lately. Um, Adidas are returning as the kit supplier for the 24-25 season. I don't know about you two. I know Lee's not exactly overly thrilled with having Adidas back. He'd rather have Nike. He just wants to move on to the future rather than look into the past. But it's a great partnership. They've been some monumental kits. The kit you're wearing, Mark, is my all-time favourite home shirt. I love that one. It's absolutely stunning. I know a lot of people prefer the old grand, uh, grandfather-style collar one um, from the early entertainers. But, uh, Jack, your thoughts on uh, the return of Adidas and the chimichunga it's bringing as well? Well, I think if ever... Uh... A club or a sporting entity has has matched well with a, a sportswear brand. It's Newcastle and Adidas. It's stripes. It's got the nostalgia of the you know the the nineties. It's the biggest sports brand in the world. Like I don't think you can you can say in any way that that's not looking forward. The money. I think someone. I think it was on the Amazon doc, which I haven't watched that part yet, but. It's going to be 50, 200 million over five years. So that's 40 yep. million a season, which is pretty much what I thought would be looking at. Man United get 90 million a season. So it's less than half of what they get, but that's fine at this stage. I think that's the club don't want to be too, you know, take the piss too much with what they're asking for, for people. And Adidas are not a related party anyway to Saudi. So, you know, that they were. They all want fair market value as well, but yeah. it's a good it's a good deal for Adidas as well. It's a it's an amazing deal for for us. It's got the nostalgia. They've got some some nice kits. We'll just see what happens with it. I think it was always like, always gonna happen, and I'm, yeah. I'm pleased. I'm very pleased about it, and it'll just be nice to have you know that that recognition, the brand recognition. You know that they're a huge company, so and hopefully they'll they'll design some nice kits as well. Your thoughts on uh, the the German brand with three stripes returning, Mark? Yeah, oh, look, I love it. Um, it's, uh, I know, I know, Grumpy Lee, um, <laughs> being 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 the old man he is, and and we're both the same age as well. So I don't know where where his his grumpy outlooks coming from on this, but I love it. I think it's a brilliant move. Um, the nostalgia thing is is straight away everyone's going to recognize it. Everyone's going to go back to dreaming of the the entertainers. Um, it's going to be that immediate sort of like brand recognition from fans to that. Um, but, you know, Adidas are a big name like, all around the Huge. world. And, so, you know, yes, Nike, uh, you know, they're, they're up there. They're, they're, they're very, very big in basketball. But then they're kind of on par, I think, with Adidas in a lot of other sports. Um, and for us, I think it's probably no coincidence that Adidas are looking to break into the uh, the the Saudi market and they're already the Saudi national team uh, shirt kit uh, manufacturer as well. So there's, there is a little bit of link there, even though they're not sort of um, like linked parties. Um, there is a, there is obviously like a plan of attack for the Middle East market for North America and things like that. So um, the, the, the beauty of the, of the Amazon doc was, was like, like 
Adidas seemed to want us as much as we wanted them and their money, and they they saw us as a as a as a good brand for them to go forward with as well. Um, and, and the big thing for me is like they're getting on board. They obviously know where our owners have their sights set in terms of the success that they want to bring to the club. Um, and Adidas getting on board now, while it's relatively cheap for them um, in the in the global market scheme, uh, you know, as, as Jack said, it's like 90 million for Man United every season um, for their kit deal. You know, Adidas are getting pretty good value for what is still going to be a very, very big market presence from Newcastle where we're instantly recognizable in the Premier League because we've got this um, this good black and white striped shirt that everyone's going to recognize and it's going to be sort of broadcast around the world. They're, and they're getting on board with that. But not only that is they're actually getting on board to be associated with any success as well. They're going to be like, well, they gave us the money to buy the players that have now won us the whatever cup. And, and that's got to be a big thing for them as well to get on board and be a part of that process and that journey. And if you listen to anything Peter Silverstone says as well, either on podcasts or on the Amazon doc or anything you see on the website from him, he's all it's all about alignment of commercial partnerships. So you've got Seller, which is obviously the Saudi link, but they're a sports marketing brand as well. So, you know, an event company. So it's mm. all about how the um, commercial side all links together and it's all aligned. And that's the key thing, like the alignment at the club. You've got everyone pulling in the same direction, the commercial side, the sporting side, Everyone wants the same thing, and then that's what's going to result in this dynamic club. And I'm feeling so much better after last week's disaster after this podcast. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm uh, really looking forward, and I do genuinely think of Adid, if Adidas decide to uh, redesign some of the old kits from the the 90s, or again even one uh, you're wearing, Mark, the amount of sales they will get from those kits alone, they will make the money back twice yeah. over. Easy. Uh, it's an easy decision for uh, both club and uh, Adidas to to make, in my opinion, because again, there's a lot going for it. It's only positive from what I can see. But I think we'll uh, we'll leave it there. We've uh, yawned on a little bit uh, too much again. But if you haven't already, check out our Brighton preview um, that was done yesterday. So you should see that in uh, the YouTube or the audio feeds. Uh, have a look on that one, and we will be back on. Sunday night? Are we doing the... Sunday the, or Monday, I think. Sunday's Father's Day here, so Monday I think it's going to be. Monday then, yep. yep. So keep an eye out for the Brighton review. Um, do you want to put a quick uh, spot fire here? Quick prediction for the Brighton game, because I've never really get an option to do this on the second one. Go with you quickly, Mark. Mm. I'm going 3-1. Oh, uh, away win? Yeah. Yep. I think... I think... We'll, I think, we'll, I think yeah, I think we'll lose two now. Yeah, I, I, I really, I really don't like playing against Brighton away. I know that we we did well at home last season, but yeah, I'm not feeling good about it. So, but who cares? We're in the Champions League, and we've got Adidas. And there's an Amazon documentary you can watch. We can watch that instead. Yeah, exactly. The, the future That's is bright, good. even if next week, this weekend isn't. And I'm having a and I'm having a break from Twitter as well, so I'm feeling much much more happy and less stressed and irritated about life. Well. We'll leave it there, and we are going to play out on the Champions League theme again. So this is just going to be all that nostalgia.
Cheers, lads. I will see you all on the next one. And let's go for three points at the weekend. Eh? Goosebumps. Indeed. Goosebumps after Goosebumps. that. Cheers. Take it easy, Cheers, guys. Lads. Bye.